With so many possibilities all around us, how can I be more decisive? Do you love your work? Do you think it's possible? Well, you're about to find out. It's time for 48 Days to the Work You Love with Dan Miller on the 48 Days Online Radio Show. Whether you need a professional tune-up or a work overhaul, this is the program for you. Now, here's your host, Dan Miller. Well, yes, indeed. As this situation seems to continue, there are so many possibilities, so many decisions to be made. How can you be more decisive? Well, we're going to talk about that. Here's some other questions we'll look at. Dan, I need more income options. I'm not looking for get rich quick. However, I have some extra time, especially these days, and I could make use of some extra money. All right. Somebody says, Dan, I have a brand new book that was just published. What tips do you have for getting the marketing word out there? Well, we'll have fun with that. I love marketing books. And then how can I be more decisive? We got information, updates about the labor situation, unemployment, new updates about things that are happening, decisions that people are making. Well, we got a lot to cover today. Here's our quotation for today. This comes from Winston Churchill who said the positive thinker sees the invisible, feels the intangible, and achieves the impossible. Our resource for today is actually a webinar that we just did this week called Rising Above Unexpected Challenges. If you didn't catch that, just go to 48days.com slash webinar, and you can access the replay of that, the tips in there, the plan, the layout, how to rise above these unexpected challenges. We got some cool free courses available from LinkedIn Learning I want to tell you about. And as always, got some good news. So we'll jump right into the good news, the kind of okay news, then the questions and wrap things up. Well, here's some good news. Lowe's sends Mother's Day love, of course, last Sunday was Mother's Day, to isolated seniors with $1 million in flower baskets delivered from local growers. Now, this is pretty cool the way this unfolded because Lowe's know that a lot of their growers who supply their stores have had really slow sales because people aren't out as much. People aren't doing the kind of spring planting that they normally do. So they were buying up. They started buying up flowers from the growers that they usually buy from the growers and nurseries. And then they just simply had those delivered to nursing facilities, elder care facilities around the country, over a million dollars worth of that to support, not only to support their growers. And you know, this is the kind of program that I really like. So instead of just, well, we're going to give money, we're going to give rebates or whatever. We're going to give money to our growers. No, you guys go ahead and, sell us essentially the supplies you normally would have brought to our stores, but instead of delivering them to our stores, we're going to deliver them to seniors to just brighten up their day. It's a win-win for everybody. I love the way that that's done. Well, Nike donated tens of thousands of shoes that they designed exclusively for healthcare workers. After designing a special athletic shoe for healthcare workers that can withstand 12-hour shifts, Nike has donated 30,000 pairs to hospitals across the United States and 2,500 more to hospitals in Europe. The company is also sending more than 100,000 additional apparel items, including compression socks, sportswear kits, as a thank you to frontline workers. Well, it goes on from there, but it's great to see these kind of companies that are doing things 
They're giving back, helping their communities, helping their suppliers, their vendors, helping their customers. There's a lot of examples of people helping others during these kind of unexpected, crazy times we're in. Well, a couple more points here before we go into our questions for today. I get every quarter, well, I actually get every month, the Bureau of Labor Statistics updates on the work situation. Now, these always include, you know, what the unemployment rate is, who's hiring, what industries are laying off. It includes things like discouraged workers, which is always a category that amazes me because it they try to number, put a number on the people who have not looked for work in the last th- four weeks because they're just convinced nobody's hiring. So they categorize those as discouraged workers and try to actually count those people. I don't know how in the world they could possibly do that. But the, the the funny thing to me is that they're mistaken. A lot of those people they categorize as discouraged workers. They're people who are unemployed and they haven't looked for a job in four weeks. Those, those are you people. Those are people who have wake, awakened to the ideas, the possibilities that are out there. You're moving ahead with great ideas, making more money than you've ever dreamed of making before because you're not looking for another traditional job to fill that need for you. Well, anyway, that being said, in April, as expected, the unemployment rate increased by 10.3 percentage points to 14.7%. This is the highest rate, the largest one-month increase in the history well, the history of our country, as long as back as they have any kind of records for that that go back to like January of 1948. Now, here's the interesting thing about this. I know you guys will agree with me on that. This is not really unemployment. We ought to call it something else. I mean, we could call it forced non-work or artificial work pause or something, but certainly this is not unemployment like back during the Depression when there really were no jobs. I mean, as it is now, I mean, it's no secret. We have lots of jobs and lots of willing workers. Thus, this can't be called real unemployment. I mean, to go from the lowest unemployment in history to the highest unemployment in history in one month, that doesn't reflect a realistic change in the job situation. This is something else. And it annoys me that we talk about, oh, wow. You know, of course, the politicians, you know, the who depending on what side you're in, they were bragging about unemployment being low. And now the other side is you know, bragging that that this is bad leadership because we're in the highest. Well, neither is a reflection of the political climate or leadership either. It's something else. Goodness sakes, this is a, a new situation, something most of us have not experienced, anything quite like this, but uh, it annoys me when we talk about high unemployment. Nah, it's something else. And if we get through this, I think unemployment's going to drop as fast as it went up. We'll go back to, not not back to normal, but uh, back to having people employed and having real opportunities to create income for their families. Well, just one more thing on this, and we got some other news items as well. But as always, when there is uncertainty, fear, anxiety, it gives bad people opportunities to take advantage of the situation. And that here's one of the crazy things that are happening. People are being called on the phone, being offered coronavirus insurance, buy an insurance policy so you don't get the coronavirus. Now, how crazy is that? 
I mean, what kind of people are these on both ends? What kind of people are these who are selling this insurance? And what kind of people would be, wow, vulnerable enough to purchase it? There's no such thing. How could you purchase an insurance policy so that you don't get coronavirus? Well, it doesn't exist, but there are companies now that are companies, I don't know, you know, individuals, but who are selling coronavirus insurance. Oh my gosh, it breaks my heart. Now, how, how do you, I'll tell you some insurance and it's not going to cost you anything. You don't have to buy a policy. I'll tell you how to provide insurance for yourself. Just this week in my mastermind group, I had two of the doctors in the group lead our call on how we should respond to this. Well, they led us through the things that we should do. They had nothing to do with isolation or keeping yourself away from everybody you love and care about or staying away from your work or for waiting till we get a vaccine. The entire focus was on how to keep ourselves healthy in body, mind, and spirit. That was a focus. And one of the one of the doctors who actually shared would be considered high risk himself, but he's not hunkering down, hiding out. He's saying no. He's keeping his immune system strong. He shared with us a study where we 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 assume that if we're exposed to the virus, that we get it. Well, that's not true. I mean, there have been studies where they've taken a virus, no, not this particular one, perhaps, but a virus and injected it directly into people's noses. Volunteers for a study where they had, you know, 300 people where they did this. How many of those people actually got sick when they had direct exposure to the virus, a virus similar to what we've got right now? 27%. Wasn't everybody, wasn't 50%, it wasn't 80%, 27%. Now here's what else is interesting. Those 27% were also identified to have high stress levels that they measured as well. So if you want to provide insurance for yourself, watch your stress level. Don't be consumed with fear and worry. Focus on staying healthy in body, mind, and spirit. You can do that through diet, exercise, mindfulness, meditation, a whole lot of things, whatever you do, but that's make your focus that. Well, here's a ridiculous thing that's happening during this time. There's a million people pretending to be ants on Facebook. Now, this is beyond explanation. There is no way to try to understand this. But there, somebody put up a Facebook group where you pretend to be ants. Now, this grew from 100,000 members, which seems preposterous in and of itself, to over 1.7 million people pretending to be ants. For some reason, people get a big kick out of this, and they're going on there. I mean, the concept is simple. Members of the ant group post photos and videos about being ants. So somebody puts up a, a picture of ice cream with ants crawling over it, and you speak as if you were one of the ants. Now, I, I don't get it, believe me. But there are people who are role-playing over 1.7 million people on this group pretending to be ants. I guess it's some kind of a legitimate diversion from having to deal with being human. So take it for what it is, whatever. Hard, hard to understand. 
I guess ants ants don't have the kind of worries that we do in pretending to be an ant. You kind of remove yourself from the challenges that we have of being human. So there it is. My explanation. Let's go to some real questions from real people. How about that? Dan, times like these make me realize I need more income options. Do you have a recommended book or course for selling on Amazon? Using Google turns up more scams than anything. I'm not looking for get rich quick. However, I have extra time, especially these days, and I could make use of some extra money. Thanks, William. Well, yes, I do have a recommendation for how to sell on Amazon. I only have one of the same one that I've recommended for several years now, and that is from my friend Jim Cochran, the Proven Amazon Course. I'll put a link to that in the show notes where you can go right there using our link to get a discount on it, but I'll put that in the show notes. But Proven Amazon Course, Jim Cochran. We have story after story after story of people who have done that who are making incredible income. Now, like any business, I mean, it's not just a walk in the park. You have to do the work. You have to learn how to do it well. Choose your category of product. But uh, we've got some pretty astounding stories that we're hearing right now about people who are experiencing the same kind of volume that they expect in what they call Q4. The last quarter of the year is always big for people who are selling on Amazon. And we're having people who said, I had somebody tell me just recently that this is like Q4 on steroids because of the volume of sales that are occurring. So yeah, it's, it's a great opportunity. Learn how to do it well. I mean, it's not something I do, but if you learn how to do it well, rock and roll with that. And there are other opportunities, William. I mean, there's so many opportunities for generating income. Uh, people are putting together courses right now at Andy Traub on as our Monday mentor in the Eagles community this week. And Andy is creating a course on how to seal your aggregate driveway. Well, I love those kind of ideas. I mean, there's likely not to be another course out there, but how to seal your aggregate driveway. Well, a lot of people right now are this here in the spring of the year want to do that. It's a legitimate kind of need. And there's not a lot of information on how to do it well, how to prep it, what kind of materials to use, how long it's going to take you, how long it needs to dry. And so he's doing a little course on that. I love those kind of ideas. Well, this comes from Nathan who says, I have a brand new book that was just published. What tips do you have for getting the marketing word out there? Well, for for one thing, if you have a book, the time to start marketing that is about a year in advance before the book comes out. But let's, we'll just go with this. I'll come back to that in a minute, maybe, but let's just go with this. I like to have a book release party, invite all your friends, influencers, media people, and so on, but then make it a party. I mean, don't make it some drab, austere, solemn kind of occasion, you know, where you read from your book and then you have a table set up where you sell your book. Don't do that. That's offensive. You don't invite people to a book release party and then have your book for sale there. I mean, I know that most people do that, but to me, I think that's really in poor taste. If you're going to invite people to an event to promote your new book, give copies away. Now that's going to be a continuing theme here. Give your copies away. When we released Wisdom Meets Passion, a book that I wrote with my son, Jared, 
we booked the Vanderbilt Country Club for an evening. We had gift bags for everybody, real beautiful gift bags. We had two copies of the book in there, one to keep and one to give away, along with special chocolate, some other goodies in there. We had music, and we had short readings from the book. We had people share about how they had already been impacted by the stories in the book. We, we actually had a big buffet meal. So yeah, we spent some money on that. But these were our friends. These are the ones most likely to share and talk about that book. And that's proven to be the case. So we invited lots and lots of our friends. And we had them there and, and we provided a meal, gifts for them. It was to honor them and gift them with that, to make a memorable experience so they would talk about the book and share it. So yeah, we, we do that. Incidentally, you know, writing a book is like starting a business. I mean, don't write a book unless you have some kind of a budget attached to bringing that book out and doing it well. And uh, let's get another question here. Kirby asked, I'm writing a book. Do I need to have an editor look at it? Yes, please do. I know that there are no barriers to getting a book out there. You can do a book this afternoon and put it up on Kindle tomorrow. It's there and a lot of people do. But believe me, there's a lot of them that are not done well. If you're going to do a book, yeah, I'll make sure that it's done well. So here's what I would propose as a good budget, even for a well-done self-published book. And a lot of people are doing that. It's tougher and tougher. Publishers are scrambling to make things work in their old antiquated models right now. So a lot of people are doing a book on their own. But even with that, don't think that you do a book and don't invest anything in the process. I would recommend at least $3,000 as a good budget for a well-done self-published book. $1,600 for an editor, uh, $400 for an interior designer, $300 for a cover, and so on. But, that, you know, $3,000. You can't start a business. I mean, think of any business that you have, there's going to be some kind of investment in that. Well, think in the same way about your book. What are you going to do to invest in that? Here's another example. Vincent Puglisi, very active in our community. A lot of you know him. He wrote a book called Freelance to Freedom. He talked about his own journey from being, you know, having traditional kind of job and then freelancing and on to the kind of things that he's doing today that give him incredible freedom and incredible income. But early in the game, when he had his book done, Freelance to Freedom, he talked to Seth Godin. He invested in a one-day experience with Seth Godin. Went to New York City, boom, sat there and had a chance to talk to Seth about his book. He said, you know, what should I do to market this book? Seth said, well, first, I want you to give away 10,000 copies. Then come back and we'll talk about marketing. Now, obviously, there's a hidden message there. You give out 10,000 copies of your book, if it has any legs at all, You've done the marketing. That's a beautiful way to look at it. Well, Seth obviously knows that. And Vincent has learned that along the way. He and his family did pack up, travel across the country, and he would set up these times to actually come. He came here, came here to the sanctuary with his family to give me personally a copy of his book, Freelance to Freedom. He did that all across the country. I don't know exactly how many he's given away. I ought to ask him. But that's his goal, to give away 10,000 copies. Now, in the meantime, his business has absolutely exploded. The things that he's doing 
to give himself maximum freedom. They do. They travel a lot. They just spent a couple months down in Florida. We're going back home to Pennsylvania, but they have the freedom to come and go as they please because of the income that he's generated, not directly from book sales, but from the what, what the book did in opening doors for him. Now, do you hear me talk about that a lot here? I mean, I love books, love what they do for us. But when I look at financial projections, I project zero from book sales. I want the book to get out there because the book is filled with ideas for people, ways that they can connect with us in ways that we do make money. So people read the book and then they get involved in the 40 Days Eagles community. Wow, they come to one of our events. They request that I come and speak at their school or university or company. You know, it prompts us having other ancillary products like the online seminar that goes with that. We have people request coaching because of the concepts in the book. They want to be part of my mastermind. You know, on and on. Those are the ways that we make money from books. I don't do a lot of the traditional things. Last time when I did release a book, um, my publisher said, well, we'll sign you up for, we'll get you set up for 30 bookstore signings. And I said, well, that's lovely. Sounds like a beautiful idea. I hope you have a nice time there. I won't be there, but I hope you have a good time. I'm like, well, what do you mean? What are you talking about? And I said, well, you know, book signings are a waste of time. I said, well, we know that, but most authors beg for those. I said, well, not me. I'm not going to waste my time. I mean, when you think about it. So if you hear about 48 Days to the Work You Love or the book I just mentioned, you know, Vincent's book, are you going to go down to a bookstore and then try to find it there? No, you're going to jump online and buy it. Um, now, there are people, I mean, I support independent bookstores, any bookstores. I love bookstores, but uh, it's not to go there, set up, and then have random people walk in who have never heard of me before, never have any kind of engagement with me and think they're going to walk up and because of that, buy a book. That's a really, really weak marketing idea. There are so much better ways to invest my time as an author to get people to buy my books than in doing that. So no, that's not going to happen. Well, again, your book marketing for a book should start not when you have your book in your hand, but a year in advance. I mean, start releasing the content and blogs and social media and the online communities you're part of, seminars that you do, places you speak, on Medium, if you're putting articles in there, other places you write. I mean, that's the way to get the word out there. Here's an example. Every Sunday morning, I get up and I write a short piece, six, 700 words, and send it out just to the members of my personal mastermind. I call it Sabbath Musings, but it's really my Joanne and everybody that knows me well in that little intimate group says it's the best writing I've ever done. It's where I'm more in my zone than anything I ever do is writing those Sabbath musings, kind of deep things to challenge our traditional ways of thinking. Well, I am now putting that together as a book. The first one in that series will be called An Understanding Heart. It's going to be beautifully done with uh, imitation leather and then gold edge pages, a bookmark, real soft, but you know, heavy to the, when you pick it up, and hold it like you have something valuable in your hand. I'm really excited about that. But now think about how I've done that. The one that I did this last Sunday morning was number 157. 
Now, if you do the word count on that, that's enough for two or three books. But it also lets you know that if I'm doing those one a week, I've been doing that for over three years. So it's not like I sat down and in 30 days wrote a book. You know, I hear that kind of garbage out there and I think, yeah, I know what kind of book that's going to be. Somebody sat down and wrote it in 30 days or over a weekend. Nah. But these are things where I think deeply about it. And now over a three-year period, I've accumulated a lot of content. And while I didn't intend for that to be a book originally at this point, it makes a lot of sense. So now I can go back, put that together in a way that actually will be a book. Well, when we talk about ways to learn, my goodness, I want to share with you some of the things that you have access to right now to increase your learning, your ability to, to write well. I mean, good writers are great readers. We know that. And you know, how are you learning? Well, again, if your work life is anything like ours here at 48 Days, you know it's been turned upside down recently. We're all just into the new world of remote work. Well, my friends over at LinkedIn Learning are here to help you, your teams, not only stay productive at home, but also support our well-being. They've got a link right now, and I'll put it in our show notes. Well, I'll give it to you here where you can get access to it. But they're offering free learning paths. So tons of courses. Now, you've heard me talk about things that I'm doing. I'm taking a course right now, the science of well-being, but I'm, I'm taking courses to learn how to do things better in every aspect of the work that I'm doing. But you can get courses here, LinkedIn Learning, Job Seekers, Navigating Career Strategies in Today's Job Market, Professionals, Remain Productive and Efficient While Working Remotely, How to Manage Stress, Build Mindfulness Practices, How to Build Resilience During This Challenging Time. Those are all things that you can access. Just go to linkedinlearning.com slash days. So it connects you to 48 days as a source, linkedinlearning.com slash days, and you get access to all that. One of the ones I saw in there when I was just scanning it a little bit ago is it's hard to be in sales right now. And so these free courses can help. Now, I want to talk about that a little bit more as well, because we're hearing from people that it's, it's really hard to sell anything right now. And yet I've already mentioned, we do also know there are people who are knocking it out of the park right now. There's lots of those. But let's say that I'm talking to somebody about our egos community. Let me just give you a quick example about selling. I mean, selling is not pushing somebody or manipulating or conning them into something they don't want or need. It's sharing enthusiasm. But there are so many effective ways in our Coaching Mastery um, group this week, we listened to a little clip from Zig Ziglar about selling and how the redhead, his wife, Jean, this was years ago, talked him into buying a house that was above their budget. But it was a beautiful example of selling somebody on something that you want just by asking us questions. So here's an example. And if you're selling something my goodness, God bless you. I mean, I, I love selling. I also enjoy being sold too by somebody who is really good at selling. But selling opens the door to time freedom, income freedom, unlike anything else that I know about selling. So if you are doing it, learn how to do it well. Let me give you a quick example of how I would interact with somebody. We know that, you know, we know that people are growing if they are investing in their own personal development. Now, it's hard to not do anything. It's hard to, if you don't take a course, don't invest in yourself, don't go to a workshop, a seminar, a conference, or whatever, and don't read a book, 
your life isn't going to change much. I mean, we know that that's a continuing theme here. We talk about the things that are going to change your life, allow you to walk into new opportunities. So we know people who are growing are investing in their personal income. Now, I recommend 3% of your income. I'm sure you've heard me talk about that. So let's say I'm talking to somebody who would like to be in the Eagles community, but says they can't afford the $48 a month. Now, if I'm talking with them, I might say, I mean, I totally understand that challenge. But we know that people who are moving toward their dreams are always investing in ways to keep learning and growing. So you told me you're making $15 an hour. That means you're making $2,598 a month. Now, 3% of that is $78. That's what we consider reasonable. And we know that people are growing, are investing in themselves. So I'm curious, knowing you're a person who wants to have more, do more, be more, how are you investing that's $78 now. And that's exactly what I would do, what I just did there. Just pause, stop talking, let the person talk. Now, see how I set that up? You know, it's not pressure. That's just asking a question, framing it so we have information out there that's easy to understand. People who are growing are investing 3% of their income in their own personal growth. Now, somebody who's making hundred thousand dollars a year. I, I recommended that it's 5%. So that'd be $5,000 a year that person has. And we see people who recognize that people who are making a million dollars a year, have $50,000 to invest in their own personal growth. And those people are doing that. You don't find people who just cap out and all of a sudden they don't invest in themselves anymore. Quit growing. No, those people continue to look for ways, even if it's challenging, to invest in themselves. But that's, I, I love the fact that we can just, we can walk right through what essentially is a sales presentation and then just lay it out and then just stop. You stop talking. You know, if you're, you can't afford the $48 a month for 48 Days Eagles, I understand that. But I'm just curious, how are you spending that $78 a month that I know you must be investing in yourself because you're a person that wants to grow and see, be able to take advantage of new opportunities. So how are you investing that? Boom, we go from there. All right, speaking of boom, hey, just a short note here, just to remind you, these are real life questions. You got a couple more to go here and we're going to wrap it up, but we're going to talk about the one about how to be more decisive. But I also want to remind you, these are real questions submitted by you, the listeners. I consider it an honor to get your questions your suggestions, your success stories, just shoot those into me at askdan at 48days.com. Again, that email, askdan at 48days.com. So, Lewis says, and I talk, I know I talk a lot about being decisive on here. And he says, you know, I agree with this, but the important question is, how can I change? How can I become more decisive? I had a n- note here. This is from Angela, who just joined our 48 Days Eagles community. She says, 48 years to the work you love is not what I would like to be a future book title for me. The reality is that I've been dipping my toes into the 48 Days community for several years, but not moving forward. So here I am. Well, boom. And she goes on from there. Now let's talk about this a little bit. There's a re- Well, it's been several years ago now. There was a Harvard Business School study that asked the question, what are the top characteristics of high achievers. So of course, there were things like intelligence, education, attitude, but at the very top of the list, one thing stood out. 
as a characteristic of high achievers. That was speed of implementation, having the ability to act quickly. I mean, 80% of decisions should be made immediately. We used to live in Southern California back in the days of the Crystal Cathedral. Remember that with Robert Shuler? Well, we heard him say one time, indecision is the greatest thief of opportunity. And I really believe that. Indecision is the greatest thief of opportunity. Now, what does the Bible say about this? I mean, what thoughts does it add? Well, in James chapter 1, verses 6 to 8, we read, He who doubts is like a wave of the sea, driven and tossed by the wind. For let not that man suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. He is a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. Wow, that's pretty graphic. I mean, indecision is a crippling characteristic. Indecision is one area that'll carry over its negative effects to other areas of our lives. I mean, I've seen parents unsure about selecting a college for their child become almost incapable of functioning for months, agonizing over this decision. I've seen individuals frustrated in their jobs who remain in really toxic corporate cultures because they're unable to make the decision to move on. On and on. Well, Joanne and I have used a very concise process for the 52 years of our marriage. Whenever possible, when confronted with a decision, we allow a two-week maximum for arriving at a decision. I mean, whether it's where to move, what kind of car to purchase, making a career or business decision, how to handle a difficult relationship with a relative, here's what we use as a process. I'm going to give you a real clear, succinct, simple five-step process. And that is, number one, state the problem. Number two, get the advice and opinion of others, people you trust. Number three, list the alternatives. Give yourself four or five options. Do a little bit more digging. Number four, choose the best alternative. Number five, act. Now, you can deal effectively with the challenge that we have right now of making solid decisions. Don't be indecisive and thus unstable in all your ways. Rather, Walk in the strength, the confidence, the boldness that comes from decisive action. That's what I recommend you do. That's how you can become, and you can just decide to be more decisive. I mean, this is not something you have to go back to school for, get another degree for. No, you can just give yourself a process and a timeline. I mean, I do that with myself all the time. I don't allow myself to just kind of stew on something, figure out I'll, I'll work on it. I'll make a decision when it suits. No, I give myself a timeline and then I keep it in integrity with myself. Even if nobody else is involved, I just do that. And, and you can, you can do that. Well, well, part of this has to do with master your mindset right now. I'm doing a 48 day series every morning a little one to two minute video on how to master your mindset, how to master your work you love mindset. Doing that in the Eagles community. If you're a part of that, you're already aware of that. Master your mindset. I mean, 85% of this process of having a proper, having confidence of the proper direction in your career comes from looking inward. Master your mindset. Look inward first and 15% of the application. Last week, I mentioned that being successful in business, 85% of that process is mindset. 15% is tactical and strategies. I mean, think about that. If you want to be successful in business, 85% is mindset. 
wow, I mean, that should be an advantage. That should open the door for a lot of you to go ahead and make that move. That's something that appeals to you. And again, last week I shared a quotation from Robin Sharma that's worth repeating again. People commented on it. Potential unexpressed turns to pain. Well, hey, let's wrap it up there. Let's wrap it up there. Got other questions that we'll save for another day. Continue to shoot those into me at askdan at 48days.com. Just a brief overview again, a summary of some of the things we talked about. And I'll put these in the show notes so you have easy access to them. Just go to 48days.com, look for the podcast, and you'll get the show notes there. If you want to make money in Amazon, which a lot of people are doing right now, I recommend Jim Cochran's course, Proven Amazon course. I got the link to that. If you want to write a book, budget $3,000. Don't try to do it on nothing. You'll, you'll have nothing to show for it. But if you do it right, budget as an investment in starting a business, and you can rock and roll with that. We've got our linkedinlearning.com slash days as a site where you can go and get those free courses that they're offering right now. And we've got our five-step process for being decisive. Number one, state the problem. Number two, get the advice and opinion of others. Number three, list the alternatives. Number four, choose the best alternative. Number five, act. That'll get you out of this. That'll get you out of the job you feel like you're stuck in. Well, I know a lot of you are already making that transition. You're making a move. I'm delighted to see the things you're doing, the ideas you're sharing. We have so much generosity right now where people are sharing ideas and resources so liberally to help other people find their path, put legs in their dream, move forward, love what's happening. I hope you're enjoying this time this pause this unexpected change perhaps but the time where we can take a fresh look at what are we doing and why what part of the old normal do you want to go back to what ideas are you getting now that are going to create a new future for you that you didn't anticipate before just wonderful things happening well thanks for being part of this community where we know we can find or create work that is meaningful purposeful and profitable 